the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. To begin today, I have to admit something to you. I have a problem. I have a problem with Doritos. No, not a moral problem with the maker, the company that produces Doritos, but I have a problem that when there is a bag of Doritos in my house, it feels like I make it my own personal challenge and problem to find the bottom of the bag as quickly as I can. This happened just a couple weeks ago, even. Family-sized bags of Doritos were on sale at Sam's. I happened to put one in the cart. Two days. Two days is all it took. I'm not proud to say that, but that is the truth of what happened. But you know, more than that, I think my problem is just junk food in general, fast food included. I respect people that think fast food is gross or doesn't taste very good. I politely disagree with those folks. I have a different opinion. But I am constantly, constantly tempted especially on Mondays when I'm home on my day off by myself. I know that in less than five minutes I can be in the drive-thru. Nobody's going to know but me until the bags pile up in the back of my car and Crystal looks through the window and sees what I've done. She laughed when I told her I was going to tell you this this week. She said, are you really the right person to say that? Because you really don't have a leg to stand on. It's true. That's why I'm admitting it to you. But my body and my brain, they are constantly at war. Because you know, as well as I do, that our bodies need fresh, healthy food. To put it simply, to boil it down for us in our context, Steve, we need the Ambrose Farm Market way more than we need Taco Bell in our lives. Right? We know that's true. We don't always live that out. But when we give ourselves fruit, vegetables, healthy things on a consistent basis, things just go better. And when we don't do that, our bodies react poorly. They cry out saying, hey, give me what I need, right? We have lots of needs in our lives. Some of them are obvious, things we know very well. We need food and shelter and oxygen. And other needs in our lives are unspoken. Some things that are invisible to the naked eye, even. In our gospel reading from Mark 5, we heard about a woman who suffered from a medical condition for 12 years. She had a bleeding problem, and she had suffered in every way possible. There's a lot that we could say about this woman. There's a ton there in the text, but let me boil this down for you to paint a picture of who this woman was and what her life may have been like. She was likely an outcast, unclean, formerly rich, but now penniless, chronically ill widow who had tried everything she could think of to solve the problem that her body was reacting to with absolutely no success. She'd been to doctor after doctor, and no one could do anything about it, and now she was penniless. Nowhere left to go. So having finally bottomed out, 
She's heard reports that Jesus of Nazareth can heal people of things that others can't. She's had to hear that report secondhand because her bleeding problem means that she's ritually unclean. She can't be in crowds with other people. So she hears it from someone else and decides that her last hope is Jesus. So risking her safety risking whatever was left of her reputation, she decided to go into the crowd where Jesus was. And her plan was just to touch Jesus' cloak because she believed that even touching Jesus would be enough. And to her shock and surprise, and the surprise of everyone else around, even Jesus himself is surprised by what happens in this interaction. That's exactly what happened. She was healed. Fearfully, she came forward, and Jesus, the second person of the Trinity, the one who knows everything already, looks at her, and in an instant, he gets it. He knows what has just happened. He knows that she's been healed. He knows that she has come to him in faith. He knows that touching him sent power out from him that healed her. And he responds with the words, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. To put it a different way, It's as if Jesus is looking to her at the end of all of this struggle and trial of 12 years. And he says, you finally came to the right place. You finally came to the right place. We're closing our sermon series on baptism and communion today. And you might be wondering, well, what does Mark chapter 5 have to do with anything? That's not even about the Lord's Supper. Fair point, fair question, I agree with you. Let's just step back for a minute. Last week, Pastor Jared began teaching us about communion, and he led us to remember that Jesus is really, truly, actually present in the meal, that he makes the meal, that his body and his blood are given to us in the Lord's Supper. And the question that we should focus on when we think about the Lord's Supper is not, how does this happen? But the question we should focus on is, where is Jesus? And the answer to that question is right here. He's in the meal. He's at the table. That just as Jesus came down from heaven and became a human being, he comes to you again with his body and his blood to offer you the forgiveness of your sins and the strengthening of your faith. So I want to conclude today by asking the question, what now? If all of that is true, and it is, where do we go from here? What do we do as God's people, as God's family then? To answer that question, we need to realize, we need to recognize and come to grips with something really important. You each of you, myself included, have a need. We have a need. It might be unspoken, 
But we have a need for what God offers in the Lord's Supper. Just like our bodies cry out to be fed with good food when we don't feed them with that, and it reacts poorly when we don't, just like the woman had a need that she tried to fix in so many different ways, you and I have a need, a pressing need, for what God offers us in the Lord's Supper. Now, maybe that's old news to you, or maybe it's the first time you're hearing that, but either way, it's true. We know what God offers us in the meal, and because of that, we should be recognizing just how desperately we need those gifts. There's been a note on the front of the weekly guide under the gather section the last few weeks, inviting you to look in the hymnal or the small catechism and read a series of questions and answers that Martin Luther wrote to help prepare people to come to the Lord's Supper. And I love one of the last questions that he wrote in this series of questions. He goes all the way through talking about what is the Lord's Supper, what does it provide us, what does it offer us, And why do we need it? And one of his last questions is this. But what should you do if you're not aware of this need and have no hunger or thirst for the sacrament? I love his answer because it's so practical and realistic. Literally, Luther's answer is, pinch yourself. No, really, pinch yourself. Because first of all, if you can feel your own flesh and blood still, then it means you're still alive. And he says, if you're still alive, then number two, look around. Physically look around you, because that means that you're still in the world. And in the world, there is no shortage of sin or trouble. And finally, remember, remember that there's an enemy. Remember that the devil is real and that his whole goal is to rob you of the peace and the joy that Jesus won for you. His goal is to rob you of the faith you have in Jesus, to pull you away. You and I have a need for what God offers us in this meal. Because not only are we sinful, continuing to fail to live up to God's standards, but because you and I both know the challenges and the difficulties of life in this sinful world. You know the sufferings and the challenges of life never stop. We battle things like cancer, death, poverty, Divorce, strained relationships, debt, it just never ends. The difficulties of life. But here's the thing. So often you and I are just like the woman from Mark chapter 5. Because we may be, we are, you are, well-meaning, sincere Christians... But so often we look to the wrong sources to solve our problem. We're looking to the wrong places. 
It's like adding another meal of junk food on top of the one before and expecting that to be good for us or solve the problem. We think we can control our way out of our problems. We think we can plan our way out of our problems. That if we work hard enough, our problems will go away. We think we can eat or drink our way out of our problems. We can vacation our way out of them. And as Christians, we even chase feel-good spiritual things. Things like music or devotion books that are written in the first person as if God is actually speaking to us as if Jesus speaking to us in his word directly isn't quite enough. We need to put words in the mouth of God. We look to Facebook posts and televangelists and so many other things trying to solve the problem on our own. But even if or when they might work for a while, ultimately they all fail. All of them. So we chase mountaintop moments. We try to recreate the emotions and the experience of the last great thing that worked for us in our life of faith. But eventually, that fails too. And it leaves us even more weary, lonely, angry, doubting, and spiritually dehydrated than before. And there's a reason for that. There's a reason why those things don't work in the long term. Because life in the world requires faith. Life in the world requires faith. Really, there's only two options. You know the difficulties of this life, and so do I. Either we have faith in Jesus that gives us hope that what we experience is not the end and doesn't get the final word and strengthens us for hope for tomorrow, or ultimately the other choice is despair. Because we get beaten down by the problems of life, but without Jesus, this is all there is. And we're led to despair. And so we need our faith to be strengthened in the middle of the difficulties and challenges of life. We cannot produce that for ourselves. And so often we look to the wrong places. And all those places that we run, they are not the place that God has designed and promised that you will always find him and that you will always have your faith strengthened because that place is right there. It's at the table. It's eating the family meal. It's eating the Lord's Supper, where he is not only really, actually present, where he not only forgives you your sins, but promises you that you will have your faith strengthened every time you eat and drink of it. You see, there's something beautiful that happens. 
Because when we come to worship and confess our sins together and receive absolution as a group, like we did earlier in the service, that's good and right and meaningful, and we can do that. But on your worst day and on mine, let's not pretend like we don't have questions sometimes. We come into worship and we say, well, I know how bad I've been, how messed up and broken my life is, so I know that absolution was for the person next to me, but I'm not so sure that was for me. What happens here is undeniable because the Lord's body and blood hits your hands and your mouth and you get to taste and see that the Lord is good for you in an undeniable way. This meal does something that nothing else can. Because it delivers forgiveness of sins and the strengthening of your faith that you need by the power of the word of God and his promise to you. We have a need for this meal. We have an every moment of every day need. And that should lead us, knowing what the meal offers, knowing our need for it, that should lead us to be ravenously, insatiably hungry for this meal. That should lead us to want this more than anything else. Because this is where God has designed and intends for you to find healing And wholeness, this is where God has designed for you to receive what you need. This is where he promises you that every time you need him, you will find him. That he'll be present, where he will forgive you and strengthen your faith so that you can keep going. So the question I asked is, what now? Where do we go from here as God's people? Last week, Pastor Jared began with the gospel reading from John chapter 6, where Jesus teaches that he is the bread of life come down from heaven, and that unless we eat and drink his flesh and blood, we have no part in him, that he wants us to eat and drink this meal. And after Jesus is done with all that teaching, what we heard today in the continuation of John 6 is that a lot of his disciples respond to that teaching by saying, that is way too hard. Who can possibly understand that? Who could get that? And they stop following Jesus. They walk away. And Jesus looks to his disciples and you can almost hear the dejected tone of voice that Jesus asks his disciples the question, do you want to go away too? And Peter replies with the beautiful words that not only did you sing, but that we heard, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. And we have believed and we have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. Peter's words are the very same ones that we should echo as well. 
Like the woman from Mark 5, we have tried it all. We have tried everything else, and nothing even comes close to what God offers us here. And that's by design. That's on purpose. So as we go forward as God's people into a new year, into every day of the rest of our lives, we need to recenter ourselves. We need to make the Lord's Supper the center of our spiritual practice. We need to recognize our need for this meal. We need to hunger and thirst for this meal. And we need to come here to the only place that can provide us with what we need for life in the world. We need to echo with Peter. Where else are we going to go? This is it. This is the mountaintop that God wants you to come to, to look for him. And he promises you that when you do, every single time, he will be here. He will give you what you need. So when you feel weak, when you feel tired, when you feel doubts, when you are overcome with grief, when you feel joyful, when you feel excited, and everything in between, come to the table. Experience Jesus. Taste and see that he's good. And each and every time, not only will you find him, but touching him with your own hands and your own mouths, you will finally find what you need the most. In Jesus' name, amen.